Chapter 43 Into the Vortex I had no idea what I would find inside that awesome swirl. But then, I had long ago given up thinking I knew what would happen next. Everything had been a surprise since that day, not at all long ago, when Orbron and I were called to see the captain on the bridge of the Star Sword. Loren and I pushed forward. There was a feeling of resistance, as if a strong wind was holding us back. But at the same time, I felt that this resistance could be overcome. The wind stopped, and instead we were drawn forward, drawn deep into the vortex. Everything swirled and swam around me. Vision was wild and distorted and filled with insane colors and bits and pieces of floating, oddly shaped matter. Trees and buildings and creatures that seemed solid simply blew through us as if they were ghosts. Or as if we were ghosts. And then, we were through. In an instant, the swirling stopped. We were standing on a flat, featureless area, no more than a hundred feet across. There was no vegetation. There was no detail. The sky was blanked out by the swirl that raged above and around us. The eye of the hurricane, Lorraine whispered. I didn't understand what she said, but I understood what we both felt. We had penetrated a storm that twisted time and space. And there, standing alone and pristine, was the Time Matrix, a simple off-white sphere that had the power to create this eerie universe from our own imperfect thoughts. We did it, I marveled. The Time Matrix, it is here. Yeah, now what do we do about it? Look at my hair. Look at my fingernails. The distortion is really strong here, close like this. Yes, but we'll be fine once we contact the Matrix and get out of here. From the swirl wall, I saw a head emerge, pressing forward into the empty field. An Andalite head. It's him! The visor jerked in shock and amazement at seeing the two of us there. What? The Andalite child and his pet? Still alive? Yes, still alive, I said. The four Morchons wheeled their way into the vortex and came panting beside the visor. The Yurk looked around, as if searching for a weapon. He stared at the Time Matrix while keeping his stuck eyes on me. Alfangor! I heard Loren moan. I swept one stock eye toward her and almost cried out. Her hair was now so long that it piled on the ground, and her toenails extended nearly a foot through the fabric of her artificial hooves. Her hands were like hideous claws. Stand perfectly still, I said. Hold out your hands and don't move them. Whap, 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 whap. With four quick tail swipes, I cut most of the finger and toenails away. At the same time, I kept my main eyes on the visor. He was watching me closely, sizing me up. I suppose we'll have to agree to work together again, he said. The same thing would happen, I said. Another compromised universe. No better than this one. Only this time, we'll all be more careful to bring allies and weapons from our memory. 
The Yurk Visser shrugged. At least then we'd have a fair fight. He doesn't want to fight you one-on-one, Loran said. No, he'd rather have a host of allies and weapons. I agreed. But Loran shook her head, which caused a ripple through the massive pile of her golden hair. No, it's more than that. He's afraid to fight you one-on-one. I saw it in his face. The idea seemed ludicrous. Loren liked me and assumed I was the better fighter. But that was no way to judge. Visser 32 had the body and mind of Alaron, All of Alaron's speed and experience. He is afraid, Alvangor, Loren insisted. Afraid of what? The Visser laughed. Of this Andalite child? My Mortrons and I will annihilate him! Really? So why not do it? Why talk about working together? Loren turned to me. Alaron has seen you tailfight, Alvangor. That knowledge is the Visser's now, right? That's why he's scared. The Yurk stared hatred at Loren. I'll be sure to kill you slowly, human! He shot a glance at the four Mortrons. Kill! He yelled suddenly. The Mortrons powered their wheels and came for us. The Visser was right behind them. It had come down to this. To a tail fight to the death between me and Visser 32. I tried to recall everything old so far my fighting trainer had taught me. But I couldn't remember a thing. The Mortrons launched their bird portions. Leather wings spread wide and vicious mouths wider still. I had to take them out of the fight without cutting them. If I cut them in pieces, they would simply regenerate. Swoop! Flap! I struck. But at the last second, I turned my blade aside and hit the Mortron with the flat side of the blade. Thwack! The bird portion went flying. It fell to the ground and didn't move. I had knocked it out. Two bird portions went for Loren, jagged teeth glistening from their long mouths. She swung her softball bat, but missed. The bat fell from her hands as a Mortron bird portion slapped her head with its wings. One of the Mortrons was still after me, and as he swooped, the Visser attacked. Mortron and Endolite Tail struck at me. Ah! The Mortron ripped a gash in the side of my head, barely missing my stock eyes. My own blood spurted, and then the Visser's tail was... Blocked! I knocked his blow aside. Whap! He struck again. I dodged beneath the blow and fired my own tail, but my aim was thrown off by the Mortron, who twisted back and came at me again. No, no, no you don't! I heard Loren cry. She was under attack from the other two Mortrons. I saw bright red human blood. But if I tried to help her, the Visser would kill me before I could so much as twitch. It was impossible! Thwap! The Visser struck, and this time the blow hit home. I saw a line drawn through the skin of my chest. The line opened to become a gash. Thwap! He struck. I parried the blow, but barely. Ah, not so fast after all, are you, Andalite? The Visser crowed. In seconds, the fight would be over. I knew it. I had lost. Loren was probably already done for. But then, 
through one twisted stock eye, I saw Loren. To my astonishment, she had her two strong human hands wrapped around the neck of one of the Morchon bird portions. She was choking it, and the other Morchon was tangled in the wild mess of her hair. This fight isn't over yet, Visser, I said, and I struck. Flap! He blocked my blow. I struck again. Flap! A hit. Ah! The Visser moaned in pain. But my own Mortron hit me without warning. A painful slice right through my rear haunch. Then I saw a frightening thing. Lorenz's strong human hands were choking the life from the Mortron bird portion. And her fingernails, growing so fast that I could actually see them grow, were growing into the Mortron. Flap! The visor struck. I parried and turned my parry into a thrust. Yes! I exulted as my tail blade plunged deep into the visor's left arm. But the remaining Mortron was coming back around, aiming straight for my face this time. With a sneer, the visor struck. Mortron teeth and the Yurk's stolen Andalite tailblade flew at me. I could stop only one. But whichever strike got through, bird or blade, would finish me. Chapter 44 The Mortron flew at me. The Visor's blade split the air, aiming at my head. Something moving, to my left, not fast by Endolite standards, but fast enough. Lorraine spun the dead Mortron in her hand around and threw it with all her might. The Mortron slipped off the end of Lorraine's claw fingernails. It flew through the air and hit the other Mortron head on. Softball! Lorraine yelled. The Mortron that had been attacking me was knocked down. I swept my tail blade right to left and knocked the Visser's blade away. It came within a hair of my face. Lorraine calmly picked up her softball bat from the spot where it had fallen, and she annihilated the last Mortron, the one that had been tangled in her hair. I think it was at that very moment when I decided I could definitely get to like humans. At first, they seem almost ridiculously weak, tottering around on their two legs, having to make sounds to communicate, lacking anything in the way of tail or other defenses. But humans had some definite possibilities. Nice throw, I said. It's called a pitch, Loren said. She smiled. Thanks. Your Mortrons are done for, Visser. I said to him, It's just you and me now, tail to tail. The York slug called Visser 32 glared hatred at me from his stolen Andalite eyes. You think you've won, Andalite? You think you can kill me now? Guess again. You haven't thought it through. But then again, I have the advantage of adding Alaron's Andalite knowledge to my own. What do you think will happen to whoever is left behind in this universe? once it is broken apart. I had to struggle to think. An artificial universe, composed of the thoughts and memories of three different individuals. What? Over your head, is it? A collapsed timeline returns us each to our own proper space-time location. So you go back to the Jahar, 
back to being sucked into a black hole. I can live with that, Yurk. I don't care how you die. Here, from my tail, or there, drawn helplessly into a black hole. So long as you die, you are an abomination. The first Andalite controller. I just want you to be the last. I told you he was scared to fight you, Loren said. I guess you were right. The visor hesitated, but I knew he would walk away. I could feel his resolve failing, but his malice, his evil, remained as strong as ever. The day will come, Alfangor, when I will destroy you. I will make it personal. I will make it very personal. Then he turned and plunged back into the vortex wall. That's the end of him. No, I don't think so, I said. I won't say I had a vision. I don't believe much in supernatural things. But I felt deep down that the Visser and I would find our timelines entwined again someday. So now what? We have to get out of here fast. My hair is still growing. My nails are out of control. I feel like I'm getting older. My... Well, I'm getting older. I'll leave it at that. But I swear, I'm suddenly 18. Yes, your face is changing. And I, too, feel myself changing. We must leave. But this time, there can only be one person directing the Time Matrix. We have to go somewhere real. Somewhere that is a part of the true universe. The Andalite world? No, I said heavily. What would I do if I went back to my own people? I mutinied against Alaron, my prince. I left Arbron behind to live as a taxon. And I know too many secrets. I know that my own people did use a quantum virus in the Hork-Bajir War. What might they do if they suddenly had the Time Matrix? I guess sometimes even good people do bad things. I mean, that's what war is all about, isn't it? If we use the Time Matrix to win this war, we will no longer be Andalites. Not what I think of as Andalites anyway. We have to win this war by being ourselves. By living up to our own standards. Not by becoming as brutal and ruthless as the Yurks are. You mean, what's the point of winning if by winning you lose what you were fighting for? Yes, that's exactly what I mean. I can't give my people the Time Matrix. And I can't let the Yurks have it either. And it cannot be destroyed. Only hidden. Loren looked strangely at me. You're going to hide it on Earth? Earth. Yes. And this time, no nosy, greedy, skritna will stumble across it. What do you want me to do? Imagine your Earth, your home, just as it is today. Picture every last detail. Your mother, your friends, your hollow human house. Picture the time just after the Skritna took you. An hour afterward. That was like, what, a week ago? Did all this happen in just a week? Yes, just a week. And we need to go back in time. Back before your mother would have noticed you missing. But not before the Skritna took you or we would undo this entire timeline.
Maybe we should erase this timeline. Save Arbron. Save Alaron. And the two of us never meet. I wouldn't want that. Me either. But more importantly, we wouldn't know the exact effects of rewriting all that history. It may mean the Skritnaw escape clean with the Time Matrix and deliver it to the Yurks. No, we have to keep our timeline intact. And as long as the you you've been this last week doesn't encounter some second you, we'll be fine. There's one more problem. This me has aged. I'm older. I must be almost 18 now, judging from the way I've grown. People would notice. Yes, but imagine that they don't. Imagine that you are 18 and that everyone who has ever known you expects you to be 18. Is this really going to work? I don't know, Loren. Nothing else I've tried has worked so far. She smiled with her human mouth. Then I'll take care of driving the Time Matrix. Let's go. She placed her hands against the Time Matrix and closed her eyes. The swirl tightened around us, and I saw images flash by. Images of a planet I had never visited, but already knew and cared for. And then, we were a million light years and one week away. Chapter 45 Three Years Later I ran away from the Great War of Yurk against Andalite. I ran away and hid on the planet called Earth. I buried the Time Matrix in a patch of woods. I performed a frolous maneuver, the mixing of different DNA to form a single morph. I found ways to come in contact with humans and absorb bits of several DNA patterns. And when I had enough, I morphed a human for the first time. And for the last time. You see, I was done with the fight. I had done all I could, and I had made a mess of things. My people would be better off without me. And there was no way to hide over the long term. I had to become a human, and stay a human. I attended a human college. I majored in physics. It was hard. Hard to pretend not to know all the answers instantly. I had to pretend to struggle with equations I had known perfectly since childhood. And it was hard being a human. I missed my stock eyes. I missed my tail terribly. But I didn't want to fight anymore. I was done with the war. Sick to death of it. Besides, there were good things about being a human. The human sense of taste is wonderful. Almost overpowering. And then there was Loren. She had recreated her own life to deal with the fact that she had aged several years. She went back to a mother who never knew she had been gone. Back to friends and family who all expected her to be the age she was now. The power of the Time Matrix is awesome. I had seen what it could do, and I was more convinced than ever that it could not be given to either side in a terrible, bloody war. Desperate people do desperate, evil things. I finished college at an accelerated rate. Not surprising, since I was a century or two ahead of all the professors. 
I began graduate school. But I was bored there, too. I had a job writing software for primitive human computers. It was the 1980s on Earth, and humans were just beginning to understand computers. I met a lot of humans who were working in the computer field. My human friend Bill used to come over to my room, and we would exchange ideas. It was hard for me to simplify my knowledge enough for him to follow. Everything had to be explained in simple human terms, using words like window to explain a childishly simple concept. And my human friend Steve thought it was a huge breakthrough to use symbolic icons and a simple pointer, rather than a lot of complex language. One day, I got a terrible shock. I saw Chapman at the college. I was with Lorraine at the time. Chapman did not recognize her. He did not know her at all. It made no sense. We had left Chapman back on the Jahar, tumbling toward a black hole. He should have been swallowed by the black hole, crushed and annihilated. Loren tested him. She went up to him and said, Hello, Chapman. Heard from your old friend Visser32 lately? He'd stared at her like she was confused. This Chapman recalled nothing. His memory had been erased. I tried to put it out of my mind. I told myself Chapman had a twin, or that it was some unknown physics of black holes. But it nagged at me. From then on, I felt a sense of being watched. And I wondered if, or when, the power that had rewritten Chapman's memory would make itself known. But the most important thing I did as a human was to marry Lorraine. We had come to care about each other on our adventure, and when she was ready by human standards, I married her. And I really thought that I had left everything behind me. I thought that I was a human now, that Earth would be my home, that I would remain far, far away from the terrible space battles that raged across the galaxy, around stars so distant I could not even find them in Earth's night sky. I left my own people, my own species, and I was human, except in the dreams where I would run across the open grass and speak to the trees and whip my tail around for the simple joy of it. We got a house, what I used to call a hollow house. Now I understood human things. I drove a car, a yellow Mustang, like the one I had driven on the Taxon world. And I only thought of my own people and my own family and my own world some of the time. Not every minute. Not every minute. I even took a human name. Alan Fangor. It was Lorenz's idea. See, humans shorten their names, just as Andalites do. So most people call me Al Fangor. One day, I drove my car home from my job and parked it in the driveway. I could see that Lorraine was not home. Her car was not in the driveway. She had gone to see a doctor, although human doctors were practically barbarians who could not even eliminate a simple tumor without cutting holes in a person. I stepped out of the car on my two human legs. It turned out, much to my surprise, that I seldom fell over, even with just two legs. I walked up the driveway to the door and opened it, as I had done a thousand times before. Only this time, someone was standing in my living room. 
He was a man. A human. Or so I thought. What are you doing in here? I demanded in angry mouth sounds. The man looked at me with amusement. I was good at reading human expressions now. What am I doing here? What are you doing here? I live here. This is my home. I was a little fearful. Human arms are strong and can be used for fighting. But whenever I sense danger, I missed my tail. And I felt vulnerable, being unable to see behind me. The man shook his head sadly. Alfangor Cyrano Shamtul, this is not your home. My knees weakened and I almost collapsed. I made it to the couch and sat down heavily. What are you? I asked. He laughed. You don't ask who I am. You ask what? You are still wise enough to know I am not human. Just tell me what you want, I snapped. I don't want anything. We don't want anything. We do not interfere in the problems of other species. We. Who is we? The we whose machine you have used to alter the direction of time and space. Elemist, I whispered fearfully. Yes, I am one of those creatures you call Elemis. Hello, Phanomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Alright, uh, big news being that I think I can finish this book, finally, uh, next week. I know it's, this has been a long one. It's, it was originally three books that got combined into a super book. Um, so we've been here a while, but we're finally almost at the finish line. So, uh, next week, final episode, it might be a little longer. It's going to be four chapters instead of three or two, but I'm going to get it all done. Uh, but on that note, I also have a super busy week next week, so it might be a little late. I'm going to get it done, uh, that week though. It's not going to be like a week off. It just might be a couple days. Um, but I'll get it done. And then, of course, the Supercut will come after that shortly. Uh, don't have a ton here, but I did get a uh, new review, or I guess a review update, which I didn't know you could do. But if you use Apple Podcasts and want to leave me one of those, I'd super appreciate it. I love reading these. But uh, this is from She'll Be Your Hero, who, uh, I guess, updated this recently i didn't again i didn't know you could do that but let's see it says uh i am updating this because i find myself checking every thursday for new episodes for some reason i thought it was thursday not friday but since i didn't know i find myself on edge will he will he or won't he post one this week i actually had started reading ahead during the last book but i found i really look forward to seeing how you will do each voice i was excited to see how the new andalites would speak thanks for bringing this world to life for all of us I decided to just keep listening, not even read the physical books. I had been getting them from the library. The only problem is that I keep thinking of parts of the book during my day and have no one to share with. That is actually really, really sweet. Thank you so much, She'll Be Your Hero. Um, also, you did catch me. Uh, I technically have always said that I release on Fridays, but it's more like around 8 o'clock on Thursday nights. Um... But, you know, I'm in Pacific time, so in Eastern time, that's almost midnight on Friday, close enough. 
Um, I just know that, you know, when I listen to podcasts, I like it to be there bright and early in the morning when I wake up so I can download it and listen to it on my way to work. And when people upload at weird hours during the day, that kind of bothers me. So I try my best to get it out actually technically the day before I say I will. Um, but thank you so much. That's actually incredibly sweet that uh, you don't even read the books anymore. You just want to listen to me read them. That's uh, that's amazing. Honestly, sincerely, thank you for that. Because um, this is just a dumb little project I started for fun. And it's awesome that uh, you think I'm doing a good job. Uh, that is all the all the new stuff I have right now. So we'll get to the old stuff, which is, of course... Uh, my website, theapodcalypse.com, that's where you can find this and all the other creative endeavors I do, um, such as Into the Badlands, or excuse me, such as Into the Radlands and Into the Badlands rewatch podcast I do with my friend Jesse. Uh, I'm getting a phone call, but so I'll wrap this up. Uh, you know, check that out, and I'll see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Inlets will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>